Let me tell you a story. Just bear with me for a few minutes. It's Saturday. It's noon, Eastern Time. It's 11 a.m. Central Time when Nebraska OU kicked off. But anyway, it's noon, good day in Michigan. I'm at my girlfriend's house. We cooked an amazing, a fantastic, nutritious breakfast. She's a fantastic cook, and she's someone who hasn't been interested in college football before I met her, and she's still learning the ropes and basic rules, but she absolutely loves watching football with me, which I very much appreciate, and she's already learned a lot in just the first few weeks of the season. We're excited to watch this game, and I picked Oklahoma to win, but I was telling her that I think this is going to be a close game. I couldn't have been more wrong. Just bear with me for a few more seconds, at least. We're watching this game. Nebraska puts on, they they do what they do. They fake you into thinking that they will make this into a competitive game. ESPN's FPI gives Oklahoma a 74% chance to win. Nebraska goes on this fantastic drive. Six plays, 77 yards, under two minutes. That drive represents the Scott Frost dream, like the ideal, no huddle, spread option, big plays, the kind of offense that when it was successful was amazing, you know, early 2010s, late 2000s, mid 2010s is when it stopped, but still no huddle spread option, Oregon Chip Kelly kind of offense. It was a solid drive. With a cherry on top with a Trey Palmer 32-yard reception from Casey Thompson, that looked like Nebraska just completely out-schemed Oklahoma's defense. And my girlfriend, who again has is new to college football, loves watching it with me, but is still new to it, she was excited enough by that play to jump through the roof of her apartment. Like through the roof. Fast forward to the end of the game or tour to halftime. It's 35 to 7. We are completely uninterested and we turn the game off before the fourth quarter. This game was an atrocity. 49 to 14. 49 to 14. And there was a comment by an Oklahoma an Oklahoma fan on the preview and prediction video that was, you know, saying that it was a ridiculous prediction and it really was. It honestly really was, and I can't necessarily blame myself because Oklahoma played by far their best game of the season here, and Nebraska just found another way to play another terrible game. Another terrible game. Nebraska went up 7 to nothing, and Oklahoma proceeds to score 49, 49 unanswered points. All of their scoring drives took place in 3 minutes and 10 seconds or less. All of them. Oklahoma marched up and down the field. Eric Gray had over 100 rushing yards. I said that he easily could have a career day. And you know what? He didn't even lead his team in carries. Javante Barnes and Marcus Major led the team in carries. And Eric Gray, Eric Gray just did what did what I thought Oklahoma would do on the ground. Now, what I didn't expect is how efficient and how good Dylan Gabriel was. He had over 50 rushing yards at a long of 61 and a touchdown run, and he had 230 passing yards for two touchdowns. That I did not expect. The run game and how that worked with Oklahoma, I, I expected that. 
and I expected Oklahoma to score in the 40s. But also what I didn't expect was Nebraska looking like complete, there's probably a more appropriate profane word to use, but they looked horrible. They looked like absolute crap on the field. Casey Thompson was 14 of 20, 129 yards and a touchdown. And I'm not even blaming this on him because he had no time in the pocket and no protection. Oklahoma had four sacks, nine tackles for loss, a QB hurry, and three passes defended. Oklahoma, Oklahoma's defense just locked down Nebraska's offense. And Nebraska couldn't run the ball because Anthony Grant, 13 carries, 36 yards, 2.8 yards per carry. He had a long of 12, which I think was earlier in the game. A.J. Allen and Gabe Irvin Jr. You know, Gabe Irvin Jr. is like the third stringer. They had more rushing yards than Anthony Grant. Chubba Purdy, he had 30 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. That was the second touchdown of the game for the Huskers after it was, oh wait, 49-14. This was a disaster of a game. And you can't even blame Mickey Joseph. In fact, you can't blame really anyone except Scott Frost and the remainder of the staff that he had that weren't canned yet. And newsflash, Eric Chenander was just fired. So everyone that you can really blame for this is gone. Eric Chenander, the defense was the weakness of this team from the get-go. The offense had some inconsistencies, but you know, when you have poor O-line play, and it's Donovan Riola's first year, so you can't pin all the responsibility on him, what are you going to do? DC Eric Chenander's gone. Scott Frost is gone. You can't be mad at anyone anymore. You can't even be mad at the players. And I know that the players, you know, they they can for sure play better. But who's to who's to be mad at now? I don't know who you can be mad at. Scott Frost has been fired. Eric Chenander has been fired. I mean, those were the two main culprits that... Real, the two main culprits of this season's failures. Mark Whipple could have done a better job calling the plays, but the offense for Nebraska has been by far the most efficient part of this team. Defense has held it back, and special teams have been just average. So I can't even blame the offense. I can't blame Anthony Grant that his offensive line can't block, that they fold like butter in a microwave. They just melt under any heat or any pressure. I can't blame Casey Thompson for not throwing for 400 yards like he very well could have and would have if Nebraska, oh wait, had an offensive line that was above average or of Big Ten caliber. I can't be mad at anyone for Nebraska, and you shouldn't be either because, newsflash, the people you like should have been mad at are already fired. You can be mad at, at someone, that would be Oklahoma. But you'd just be mad at them or perhaps envious of them for being a good football team. I mean, Oklahoma, they their first two games convinced me that I might have very much overrated them early in the year. Very, very much so. This game proved to me that, no, they did not. This was the statement win that I talked about that Brent, I thought Brent Venables was going to get. Except this was much bigger because of the scoreboard. And because of the fact that Nebraska, again, went up, they, I think they got a stop, or they nearly got a stop, I can't remember, I'm pretty, I'm, no, they didn't get a stop, they almost did, and then Dylan Gabriel worked his magic, that's what happened. 
Minus the first few minutes Oklahoma owned this game, in those first few minutes, you know, if Dylan Gabriel got tackled behind the line, Nebraska gets the ball back, and maybe in the alternate reality, they go up 14 to nothing. This could have been a different ball game, but Oklahoma didn't let that happen. Jeff Lebby, Ted Roof, Brent Venables said no, and they put their foot on the gas, they turned the car into sports mode, and they ran through Nebraska. They passed over Nebraska. They put Nebraska through a paper shedder. And then after that paper shedder or shredder, they used those little like little pieces as fire starter. They destroyed Nebraska. And those fans, Nebraska fans, I I empathize with you and I feel you because the fact that you all can stay in that stadium and make it darn near full in the third quarter watching this product, that's dedication. That's absolute absolute dedication. You deserve better. And I think you will get better, honestly, because I think that Trev Alberts being a a player at Nebraska and someone who fired Scott Frost like three games in, and some may call it a rash decision, but he didn't wait until October 1st. He wanted clean slate immediately. Immediately. I think that he's, he's doing his job, and I think he's in a good position to put Nebraska back on track. There is a long rebuild ahead, but I think that Trev Alberts is the guy. Guy who was a first-round prospect from the Tom Osborne era, got injured, got his way into athletics and athletic administration, and here we are. He's the AD of the Huskers, and he made a tough decision in firing Frost very early on, and he did it. And this game, you know, there are going to be people and and Corn Corn Nation— I think his name's John John Johnson. I pardon me if I forget his name, but he made a good point about, you know, people are going to be saying, Nebraska fans are going to be saying, well, if Scott Frost was here, this would have been closer. This game, as he said, as Corn Nation said, that this is the embodiment of every failure of Scott Frost and his staff. Like his staff in the first four years. Again, I'm not pinning any of the lack of offense on the first-year offensive staff. The defense can't get a stop for their life, and that breaks the offense in the same way that if the offense can't get a drive going, like last year, it breaks the defense. It honestly does. This offensive staff, I believe, and maybe it's misplaced, I still think that it's probably one of the better offensive staffs in the country. Not the best, not the greatest, probably not near that if we're being honest, but I'd say it's good, maybe even great. The problem is the defense is a mess, and the CEO and management is a mess. You have an interim head coach. Bill Bush is now the DC. He got moved from special teams coordinator. You're without two of the main three guys that you're without, honestly. So a long rebuild's ahead. Oklahoma, listen, you're a playoff contender. There's absolutely no doubt about that. You have your quarterback. He played his best game by far. He now is a top 25 QBR, a 178 passer rating, all of which are career highs for, like, seriously, even better than his numbers at UCF. And you have a legit defense, too. Your defense is better than than any defense. Like, the first three games have proven your defense is automatically better than any defense in the Lincoln-Riley era minus maybe his first year. And your offense? 
probably it definitely isn't as talented, but it can be just as, if not more efficient, especially compared to last year's Oklahoma team. So very interesting, very good game statement win from Brent Venables. And now we're going to get into some of the ramifications here. I think they're only appropriate. This game for Nebraska showed that the players are absolutely broken. They're busted. Leadership, basically gone. Um, Ochon Mathis said, I think, after the Georgia Southern game, that this team is a losing mentality. This game embodied that. And Mickey Joseph, has a, they, he has to figure out his team during the bye week. And I think that that's a critical moment for the bye week. And I'm not here to give Nebraska fans any hope, but the bye week has been almost strategically placed because with the exception of Minnesota, who I think at this point might be unbeatable for any team in the West, and even then, they have not started conference play yet, so we still have to see, but I think Minnesota's good. Every other team in the Big Ten West right now looks like cow manure. They're bad. Illinois, I don't have faith in them. Northwestern, they're worse than Nebraska. The difference is Northwestern just made better decisions on that individual day and had the better head coach. Now that Scott Frost is removed, Nebraska might blow out Northwestern in a rematch. Wisconsin, they lost to Washington State. Seriously. And they just, they they don't look like the Paul Chris teams of old. Beatable. Iowa, they have absolutely no offense. So I don't know what to tell you. I mean, Nebraska's 1-3, and three, and there is still, there is, there's still a scenario in which this team can almost come close to going bowling if they half figure themselves out during the bye week because how bad the West is. And at that point, I don't even know. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to give you hope when I say that. I'm just saying the West is awful. The West is absolutely awful. So if you go out and beat Indiana after the bye week and, and Rutgers, sit at 3-3, three and three, it's not because this Nebraska team's refound its identity, most likely. It's gonna if and if that happens, then oh my gosh, that's a miracle of miracles. But the West and the schedule that Nebraska has, it it continues to look weaker and weaker. Honestly, again, outside of that Minnesota game and, and the Michigan game, which I think are now the two toughest games for Nebraska moving forward. But the Huskers just need they need to focus on the years ahead looking for coaching candidates. And I don't even know at this point who's going to be contacted or who should be hired. I think Lance Leopold out of Kansas would be good. I think Kansas is a team that's pushing toward the top 25. And yes, I said that. I actually have them in my own top 25. Urban Meyer would ultimately be like the fantasy for a lot of people. Um, You know, he comes with baggage. He's older, but he can rebuild. You, You need a rebuilder. You need a guy who can build up a program. And the the black shirts, the defense, they have no morale or technique. The offensive line is very similar. If Nebraska had Michigan's offensive line and nothing else changed, Nebraska would probably be 3-1 and one right now. I think just seeing what Oklahoma did, Nebraska still probably would have lost that game with the defense, but they would have beaten Northwestern. They would have beaten Georgia Southern. I mean, they would have allowed a lot of points to them, but they would have, you know, scored in every drive and wouldn't have let Georgia Southern stop them. It would be a completely different story if Nebraska had just Michigan's offensive line 
Or heck, don't even go there. Go like to Wisconsin or Minnesota's offensive line. Like a good, great offensive line. Not even the best in the nation. These skill players are solid. Anthony Grant, I made the Kenneth Walker comparisons. And there were games where Kenneth Walker wasn't even a factor, like Nebraska last year or Indiana. The difference was that Michigan State was mentally tougher. They weren't broken. Nebraska's broken. They're busted. Completely busted. And it's sad. Like, Casey Thompson's a fighter. He has character. He's a leader. And we knew this from early in the year. Imagine how he feels. He's doing everything he can. Doesn't have any protection. Doesn't. Trey Palmer, very talented young man, led the team in receiving yards and receptions in this game. How do you think he feels? How do you think Anthony Grant feels? This offense... The skill players on this offense are fantastic. The problem is lack of an offensive line again, which it's Donovan Riola's first year, and there are injuries and players suspended, and I still think this O-line unit, maybe you won't believe me, but it's it's not worse than last year's. I think it is still slightly better. Maybe that's because of better skill position players, though. The defense, the defense is absolutely to blame. You return Garrett Nelson. Luke Reimer, Nick Henrich, and, and, you know, Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt were praising Nick Henrich early in this game for being like the computer of the defense, getting them set up and ready. Where was that? You allowed 49 points, and I get that Oklahoma has talent, and I predict them to lay 42, but 49 points, that isn't that isn't Nebraska defense. That isn't even Eric Chenander defense. Eric Chenander's defense has improved year after year after year. I have no clue what went wrong there, but something did, and now he's gone. So, oh well. And Oklahoma, I'm sorry. Again, your team is a CFB contender. You're a top 10 unit, and you can beat Texas. You can, you might even go undefeated. You might, because the Big 12 might be worse, or at least not as top-heavy. I think that they they have higher quality and more depth, seeing that Kansas is looking good and Iowa State's looking good. But, you know, Big 12 might be Oklahoma's. It might be Oklahoma's again, honestly. Texas looks better. They're, they're mentally tougher than last year, so I'm actually excited for this year's Red River shootout or showdown or whatever they call it but the defense is its identity but the offense is still great and versatile this team's balanced they can run effectively they have a good offensive line you know dylan gabriel very good quarterback they i mean oklahoma just call it what it is and then jeff levy with like the play calls like using Braden willis on a trick play what looked like a screen pass oh wait it's a lateral and wide open in the end zone. And, and yeah, good play calling by Jeff Lebby. Utilizing Dylan Gabriel, running the ball 54 times. It's what you should be doing against a Nebraska team that, oh wait, can't stop the run. Nebraska really can't stop the pass either, but they're much better at it than they are stopping the run and their linebacker stats and secondary stats from last year proved that as well that was that was even known entering this year not that you know the unit was going to be this bad but that they'd more likely be a stronger in defending the pass than defending the run and brent venables earned his statement win in dominating fashion 
He truly did. This was a statement win for Oklahoma, for the Sooners, and they are going to they're going to march forward. And they're going to I mean honestly, 3 and 0 entering, I think they're playing Kansas State who lost to Tulane and Adrian Martinez hasn't looked good. So Oklahoma has a realistic chance of getting to the college football playoff under first-year head coach Brent Venables. What a staff he has, what a group of players he has, fantastic group of young men. I can't wait to see where Dylan Gabriel goes. His Heisman odds have been bumped up, and Jeff Lebby, Ted Roof, Brent Venables, they know what they're doing, and that's where I'm ending this video. If you liked it, make sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, click the notification bell, and comment your thoughts on this video down below. Thank you all for watching, and I'll see you guys around. Bye.